0: Greetings and welcome to What's the Law Say, a presentation of Legal Aid of West Virginia. I'm Clint Adams, Legal Director at Legal Aid of West Virginia. And in this episode, it's our special Veterans Day episode as we will be discussing veterans issues with Philip Pham. Wouldn't be much of a lawyer if I didn't start with a disclaimer, so we'll do that right at the outset. Want to make sure you understand Legal Aid of West Virginia. We're a nonprofit law firm. We provide services and advocacy to vulnerable West Virginians. This program is intended to bring relevant information and current information. All information is current at the time that this program is published. Our guest attorneys are licensed to practice law in the state of West Virginia. This information relates only to the law in the state of West Virginia. We provide it for informational purposes. Do not mistake this for an attorney-client relationship. You should speak with an attorney about your specific situation. Friends, I'm Clint Adams. I'm legal director here at Legal Aid of West Virginia, and I have the distinct honor and privilege to be joined by Philip Pham. Philip, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Clint. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me
0: now philip you work at legal aid of west virginia you work just a few doors down from me as a matter of fact tell us uh, what do you do uh, in your role at legal aid of west virginia
1: so i am the veteran attorney here for the legal aid of west virginia which means i work specifically with veterans uh, and all their families um, to help them with any kind of legal issues that they may be um, facing i do uh, i basically handle the cases any legal aid attorney would you know, uh, typically handle, such as family law, so anything from um, child custody, child support, um, and possibly divorce. I also work with veterans on uh, VA to help them apply for VA benefits as well as social security benefits. Another legal issues that we work with is landlord-tenant. So we know a lot of our veterans are facing you know, eviction, um, homelessness, things like that. So we can help them with eviction hearing, we can help them with getting their security deposit back, or basically um, anything under landlord-tenant law. Uh, We also help veterans with expunging their criminal records, which is a barrier to employment, or even just to their daily activities, or an obstacle for them to find housing. And finally, we work with them on driver license reinstatement, which is another big thing, as we all know that our suffer a lot from substance use uh, disorder, as well as, you know, a lot of them have some kind of DUI
0: or driver license issue. Now, you've been practicing at Legal Aid for how long?
1: I've been practicing at Legal Aid since 2017, which is when I just graduated from law school took the Bar
0: and then okay. been working it since. And um, you've been in the veteran's position for how long?
1: I've been in a veteran position for at least two years now. And before that, I did transactional work um, at Legal Aid.
0: So you noted um, some of the issues the veterans face are normal issues, frankly, that we see uh, for all, for the entirety of our client community at Legal Aid of West Virginia. And then you noted some of the issues are veteran-specific that you would deal with, particularly some of the things uh, that relate specifically to issues the veterans see as well as some issues um, such as mental health or substance use disorder that that seem to be tuned in, particularly to the veterans population. What does it take to be eligible to receive services from Legal Aid of West Virginia? Under
1: my program, uh, a veteran, they can go up to
0: 300%
1: of the federal poverty level Or they just, we also partner with support services for veteran families, which is a uh, agency under the VA to help veterans with um, that are being at risk of being homeless or already homeless. So what they do is if a veteran come into SSVF, qualify for their services, SSVF then can send a referral to us for general screening to help the veteran with any other legal issue they may have, such as eviction or VA benefits. So that is, those are the two ways that a veteran can come in and apply for services at Legal Aid.
0: Now we love acronyms at Legal Aid of West Virginia. Frankly, they love them in the military as well, but you used an acronym SSVF. What is SSVF? What does that mean and, and what does it do?
1: So SSVF is Supportive Services for veteran families. It is an agency that works with veterans but to help them find housing, or at least keep them uh, housed, and also provide other uh, services such as uh, help them train to get to, to find employment, uh, help them pay utility bills, uh, connecting them with uh, VA benefits as well.
0: Now, are all veterans eligible for that, or does their discharge status um, affect their eligibility for, let's start with SSVF services?
1: My understanding is discharge status usually does not play a role in that. They, I have seen veterans with a dishonorable discharge receiving some kind of services or benefits from SSVF. And when they, once they are accepted under SSVF, and being referred to us, we don't ask that question. Now, their discharge status may play into whatever the legal is, issue is. You know, we may not be able to help if they want, like, a discharge upgrade, but it's just dishonorable, and we, see the, we look at the record, and it's, you know, just impossible to get a discharge upgrade. So that may happen, but their discharge status alone usually does not bar them from receiving services from either legal aid or
0: SSVF. So when you say you may not be able to help them, excuse me, that's an issue that you would look at and then review the facts, and, and then you may determine that, in essence, the the facts aren't going to match the legal standard that it would take to be successful in that, but it still would be, we would be able to help them and that we'd be able to review that and have an attorney to, to consider that type of an issue. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that is correct. We review every single case coming in, no matter what, on a case-by-case basis.
0: So does discharge status affect people who have served ability to access various uh, benefits that are provided through the Veterans Administration?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, there are several types of discharges, and every of them carry some level of restriction to benefits, except for the honorable discharge. Once you get an honorable discharge, you basically get everything under the sun that is offered by the VA or the federal government. If you get any other type of discharges usually there's some kind of restrictions that may preclude you from receiving certain type of benefit if not all benefits you know especially the very
0: bad discharges so when we talk about that honorable discharge is obviously the the one that, that you would want to get and those who have served uh, the country and, and gotten an honorable discharge they're going to be eligible for all the veterans benefits that that they're there that are there that's the highest level of discharge is that correct
1: Yes, honorable is the highest discharge you can get.
0: So what are some of the other types of discharges that you might see? Oh, we tend to break it down.
1: There are, there are, there are two different types of discharges. So the first one we usually call administrative discharges. So we got the honorable discharge, the general discharge, entry-level le- entry separation, medical discharge, and other than honorable discharge. Those are what we call administrative discharges. And then the other type of discharge is called punitive. So, this is usually involving some kind of general court martial discharges. Um, so, they are called bad conduct discharge, dishonorable discharge, and dismissal. Dismissal is basically the, the equivalent of dishonorable discharge for
0: an officer. So, the enlisted personnel would get a dishonorable discharge. The equivalent of that in the officer realm would be considered a dismissal. Yes. Okay. And uh, are all of the administrative, you you, you noted the, uh, there's the punitive and then there's the administrative ones. Let's start with the punitive ones, I guess. Do the punitive ones, is that going to bar you from getting services from the VA? Uh,
1: for the bad conduct discharge, that is usually reserved for very bad conduct, but it does not rise to the level of dishonorable discharge. So with the bad conduct, I think really the VA will look at the your discharge and the circumstances surrounding that, and they may give you some benefit. You know, so if you were injured during active duty, you can probably still get some kind of benefit, but it's gonna bar most other benefits that you would get under the administrative discharge. Now for the dishonorable discharge, that is usually would preclude you from getting all benefits, no matter what, um, you know, unless you get a discharge upgrade. But you may not even be considered a veteran because usually to be a veteran, you have to serve in active duty and you must not been discharged dishonorably. And that, make, that dishonorable discharge may go into your record, so it may affect your other rights uh, once you come back into citizen life as well.
0: So what I hear from you then is it's kind of a sliding scale on it on the one extreme you have the honorable discharge that you'd be eligible for everything and then on the far extreme you have a dishonorable discharge where you or oh, I'm sorry you have a yeah a dishonorable discharge where you'd be eligible for nothing is that is that correct
1: Yes that is correct
0: And then along the lines, there's the general discharge, the medical discharge, the entry-level separations that you kind of talk through um, that you may be eligible for some services but not for full services. Do I also understand that correctly?
1: Yes, that is correct. So, you know, right under honorable is the general discharge. Basically, your your entire time in the military was pretty good, maybe with some slight misconduct or whatever behavior that does not rise to honorable. So you get basically all the benefits except for the GI bills so that's for general the entry re, entry level separation really means uh you were not able to stay in the military usually you get separated within the first 180 days you know so that you may receive some benefit too um but it's just really depending on the circumstances so usually if you were injured then you can probably get something from there the medical discharge that is probably well, as the name implies, that's probably one of the better ones if you're going to get it for a discharge due to medical issues, because it's going to be in, this, in the record usually. So when you go and apply for VA benefits, they're going to see you get a medical discharge for a medical condition. So, you know, unless it's like a pre-service, they're only found out, you know, once you enlist it, you know, so that it could get a little bit
0: complicated. So let me make sure, I, can we pause there for just a second? The medical discharge, this wouldn't be a soldier who was injured in war and a Purple Heart or something like that. This would be a heart condition or a diabetes that made them ineligible to be able to provide the service that, that their job would require. Do I understand that? It actually could be both.
1: You know, I, you know, you, you may have somebody that went in the first 180 days and then they found, look, um, you know, there's something wrong with your heart. You can't be running all the time. You're going to get a cardiac arrest. You can be separated under the medical discharge. Or if you were serving during, during wartime, you know, you get injured, you can no longer serve in the military. They can probably also discharge you under the medical discharge, you know, but the note going to say, you know, you were discharged, you were injured during combat, things like that. And then finally, you get the uh, other than honorable discharge. So that usually, again, you must have done something it's, it's, uh, to warrant that. It's not, just, but you still get some kind of benefits. You know, there's some bad conduct in there, but it just does not rise to the level that you need to be court-martialed.
0: Maybe you didn't get your haircut as often as you were supposed to. They're pretty big on those haircuts in the military, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that's not the only reason that you would get a. <laughs>
0: OTH discharge. So who makes the decision on what type of discharge you will receive? Uh, Is that your commanding officers? Is that some um, administrative tribunal? Who, Who makes those decisions?
1: My understanding is the commanding officer can report your
0: behavior
1: or your conduct to a superior and then whoever in charge at that
0: base or, you know, the higher up would then make that decision. And that would be noted on your DD-214 when you separate from the military. Is that correct?
1: Yes. All DD-214 should accompany by a reason for discharge or the, you know, for, yeah, for the reason for discharge as well as the discharge status, how long they serve, things like that.
0: So if you served in the military and you got a discharge that was listed as anything other than honorable, are there ways to take that medical discharge, general discharge, and make it an honorable discharge? Yes.
1: Although it's very difficult, you can a veteran can certainly apply for a discharge upgrade to upgrade a discharge status if they did not agree with the original uh, status.
0: So what's that process look like? How do you do that? And is there a time limit? Do you have to do it within a certain period of time that you've separated from the military? There's a lot of questions there, so break them down and answer them at your leisure. Sure.
1: Uh, well, I would start out with the... Two common myths that are, first, you get an automatic discharge after you leave the military and it's been a while, don't don't automatically discharge, uh, upgrade your discharge. Nope, that's false. Never going to happen automatically. Um, Second is, it's fairly easy. No, it's not easy. It's a very long and complex process. There are two ways you can apply for discharge status upgrade. The first one is you can go to the Army uh, Discharge Review Board or DRB for short, each branch of service will have an equivalent of that discharge review board. The way it works is if a veteran apply within 15 years after the day of separation, they should go to the discharge review board first to apply for that upgrade. And you just fill out an application, you can explain what happened, the circumstances uh, surrounding your discharge, why you disagree with it, you can submit any kind of evidence that you have, including character witness, you know, um, statement from people that were serving you, uh, serving with you during that time, any medical um, issue that you may have at that time that caused your behavior. So if you were having PTSD, mental health issues, you know, uh, you anything like that, you can include in your application, submit it to the discharge review board and they can review it. And then they will let you know whether they will upgrade your discharge or deny your application. Let's say if you fail at that, or if you did not apply within the 15 year limit, there is a very strict limit uh, timeline, then you would apply to what we call more for mili- more for correction of military record or BCMR for short. So the board have the same power at, as the discharge review board to review record and to, again, the same standard applies. They would review all evidence to see whether it's warranted an upgrade or not. And then finally, if you fail at both level, you can go to, to the federal court to, 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 to apply for a discharge upgrade.
0: Now, you talked about this 15-year time limit and you talked about something like character witnesses. Now, are those character witnesses, would those have to be at the time you were serving, or could is it a rehabilitative thing, for example? Can you say, you know, I have I was in a bad place, maybe I was addicted to a, a substance during my service, and following that time, I've gotten clean, and now you should upgrade my discharge, or is it locked in time, whatever the facts were at that time, that's what you have to live with?
1: It's actually for both. It, it, it would be helpful if you have both, right, because of the more only want to see what exactly happened during the time of discharge, but they also want to see that you have been a uh, rehabited rehabilitated, rehabilitated yes after service as well so it if you were having some mental health issue, you were fighting everybody during your time of service, but you show that you received treatment afterward, you gained steady employment, you've been doing good things in the community if you can get all those statement to support you post service that would be very helpful as well you, to show at least some kind of remorse for your conduct they they look at those kind of things
0: now in your experience what do you see are the common reasons that people get discharges that are less than honorable
1: yeah as we know the the the, the biggest one right now is for the last few years is PTSD or traumatic brain injury or substance abuse disorder those are the um the statistics show a lot of veterans, especially ones that saw combat, suffer some form of PTSD or TBI, which in turn result into that bad conduct or behavior during the time of service.
0: I'm sorry, again to to boil down our acronyms, PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder, um, uh, that, that often service people see, particularly if they saw action. As you know, traumatic brain injury, maybe they suffered an injury. Um as a result of an explosion being nearby that or something like that, and then um, substance use disorder. Those are the primary reasons that you see that, that people would get a discharge that would be less than honorable and that those would lead to actions that would cause them to run afoul of military regulations. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So, let's say I have some sort of post-traumatic stress disorder. I separate from the military with a another than honorable discharge w uh, what services might I be eligible for um, through the Veterans Administration?
1: As long as you don't get a dis- honorable discharge, you can, you can go to the VA and apply for uh, at least, first of all, treatment. So you can go in and you can let them know that, uh, you can apply straight to the VA. Usually they will have somebody within the VA facility to facilitate the application for you. Um, they'll ask you the general information uh, such as unit, unit where you serve your discharge status, or like they are actually required to help you with these kind of things. So they will look for your military records to see what you have done. They'll, they'll conduct a an assessment to see whether you would be eligible for some kind of services, either treatment or even possibly VA benefits. So if you come in with a P, you claim that you suffer from PTSD, because you saw, you, you know, you were deployed to a uh, country, you know, and you saw combat, they can they can probably look at that and said, look, OK, yes, yeah, it seems like you got some PTSD. Let's put you in an appointment with a uh, psychologist, psychologist, psychiatrist, you know, to see whether you have any kind of mental health
0: issues. So what if the psychiatrist uh, uncovers some of those underlying health issues, such as a depression, anxiety, um, some of those kinds of things I think that would be linked to the, the PTSD? What's the next step from there?
1: I would, the next step is to keep the appointment, uh, follow up with the treatment first. And once you get that diagnosis from the doctor, you can then uh, reach out to a veteran service organization. Um, you can reach out to an accredited attorney that is allowed to work with the VA or, uh, you know, or some, someone who's certified to do this kind of thing to help you apply for benefits. And the way to do it is now you can then, the veteran or that representative can go to the VA and request your medical records, And that's going to show, that is, you can use that as, as supporting evidence for your claim. Because now you can say, look, your own doctor at the VA is telling me that I have some form of mental health issue or PTSD linked with my time of
0: service. So when you're doing that, do you have to do the discharge upgrade first to be eligible for any kind of disability payments? Or can you you be eligible for disability payments, particularly in a situation like we've outlined here where someone had post-traumatic stress disorder that led to additional problems with their discharge?
1: I think that's really depending on the situation. If your discharge status does not bar you from VA treatments, you should go ahead and apply for disability applica- uh, uh, benefits. The reason is discharge status upgrade, it does actually take a very long time to process or to even hear back, right? I have a case where Apply almost a year, more than a year ago and still haven't heard anything. And for the disability benefits, it's also kind of a long process, but they have streamlined it a lot for the last couple of years. So it, you, you, it may only take a couple months for you to find out. And in the meantime, you know, if you're going to the VA, you're getting the medical record. And if you're getting VA benefits, once they accepted your application, you can use that as further evidence to support your claim, the discharge upgrade. So to show that, look, I have been recognized that has some form of PTSD, which caused my issue during the time of service.
0: So what I hear from you then is those could be parallel paths. You could be filing to have an, uh, an upgrade while at the same time, trying to get your disability claim approved as well.
1: Is that correct? Yes. Yes.
0: Now, um, you know, and, and as one who has served, sometimes, uh, particularly within that camaraderie, there's there's a there, there are certain stigmas I think when it comes to seeking mental health treatment, and I think that leads to the path then that leads to other actions that ends up with with people in trouble, and then it's not until maybe later that that they get the treatment that they should get, and and sometimes that pervades in the culture of the military. Is that something that you've seen as well?
1: Yes, unfortunately, um, the stigma is real and still very uh, prevalent within the uh, veteran community, especially for the older generation. I'm talking about Vietnam War era uh, veterans, right? So a lot of time when you request a med- military record, it will not show anything about mental health issues or things like that. So unfortunately, that happens. And the good thing is since 2014, if you ever hear about these uh, Hegel memos or some of the memos that came out from the Secretary of uh, de- uh, Defense or Department of Defense and the VA, basically the, the, the VA now with those memos, what it said is the VA has recognized uh, um, PTSD, uh, traumatic brain injury, other mental health issues are real. It's a very big issue. So. If you were discharged or if you apply before those memos came out and were denied either for benefits or discharge uh, upgrade, you should now reapply because the VA will now take into consideration of everything that could possibly be linked to these issues
0: during your time of service. I'm sorry, what's the timeline on, on those memos? How, how long ago were those issued?
1: I think the first one came out in 2014. And then there were one in 2016, 2017, and 2018 as well. And each of them kind of built on the other one, saying that, look, give liberal consideration when it comes to these kind of application. Uh Recognize this issue. You need to review the circumstances in the, in its entirety. And I don't think that's really a limit. If you you know apply 20 years ago, you're not bar now to, to reapply after this memo came
0: out. So, if someone served in Iraq or in Afghanistan and they were discharged shortly after that, that um, these memos could have a substantial impact on their eligibility for disability, particularly if they're having any kind of um, problems that may relate to depression, anxiety as a result of post-traumatic stress disorder or uh, other mental health issues, right?
1: Yes, and, and not just these mental health
0: issues, but if
1: you hear about the, the, the news from last year the pact act you know things like that they recognize there's more condition now that may link to the burn pits that um the army were using during iraq or afghanistan things like that so lung issues you know things like could be even back farther back like agent orange you know things like that they they, they, will, they will take in consideration about the symptom and the conditions
0: so any veteran who may be experiencing any Kinds of conditions that they think is linked to their military service, what should they do?
1: It just uh, reapply and just got denied very recently. They should contact a certified attorney or a uh, veteran service organization to help them reapply, especially if they saw new evidence that they didn't have or if they, you know, any of these conditions that was mentioned um, in the memo and, you know, that came up, you know, you, you should reapply. There's no reason not to.
0: So then, if you if you reapply, what's that process look like? Does it go to? Uh, is there a hearing, or do you just fill out some paperwork and it goes and somebody makes a decision? Usually,
1: the the first step is you fill out the disability benefit forms. You can mail it in, fax it in, bring it to the VA, uh, whatever. Now, within a couple months, if they 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 can either ask you to go to a CMP exam, which is for compensation and pension exam. What they'll do is they'll contract with a doctor to examine you for the condition that you claim that you are having due, during your time uh, that occurred during your time of service. They will do all that, and then they'll write a report to the VA, and then a, an agent of the VA, a representative from, from the VA, will look at those results, and they can either accept or deny your application. If they accept it, good. Now you get you, you get paid, and it's going to be backdated to the day that you send into your application. If you if they deny it or you were not satisfied with the result, you can ask for a an appeal. So there are actually three different type of appeals that you can go through. First one is called a supplemental appeal review, which means you have additional further evidence to support your claim, new evidence that were not considered before. You can apply for that. The second one, you can actually ask for a higher level review, which means there's no new evidence, but you want somebody higher up than that agent to look at your claim. And they can do that. You can actually request an informal hearing, an an informal phone call with them. You can explain uh, to that uh, supervisor about the condition. And then, after that phone call, they'll review everything, and they'll make a decision for you as well and If that doesn't work, then you apply for an administrative law judge to review your claim and even after that, then you go to the federal court of appeals.
0: Now, what if you got treatment somewhere that wasn't through the v a um maybe you weren't eligible for the for the v a um and you got treatment from a private Psychologist who uncovered post-traumatic stress disorder related to your service?
1: You can, you, uh, if the veteran is representing himself or herself, they can go to that clinic or doctor to request that record to submit along with the application. Or if, let's say, if I was helping that veteran, I would request that medical record to include with the,
0: the claim. So, Philip, some of my key takeaways from this is that there's been some changes to the law, or at the very least, to how the law is being applied. Um, Both, I think both of those are applicable. Um, As you noted, some of that comes from guidance internally from the VA and some of it comes from the PACT Act. And in both of those situations, if someone is a veteran and they've served our country in any capacity and they're having um, some medical problems whether it's uh, mental health or physical health they should consider reviewing that and consulting potentially with an attorney that's licensed to do this type of work uh, would, the, would you say that's the big takeaway from today
1: yes and you know um to find an attorney accredited to work with the VA if you go to the VA website there uh, there is an option for you to find the, ve- the nearest veteran services Organization or an accredited attorney to work with the VA on their database. You can type in a name, or you can do kind of a search to look for that. And that's the only way you should do it. You know, there may be scam. A lot of places are scamming veterans or taking a a big cut from the benefits for it. So the only way you should do it is look them up if you're not sure.
0: Philip, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. I appreciate the work that you do for veterans, and certainly it's a, a pleasure to work for an organization that provide services for heroes that have served our country. Thank you for having me. More information about today's topic is available at va.gov or at Legal Aid's website, legalaidwv.org. Thank you for joining us for this presentation of What's the Law Say? A presentation of Legal Aid of West Virginia.